Hi, welcome to episode 17 of Coffee, Cake, and Giggles. Today's episode is trauma-bonded relationships. So, I've been speaking with a few people recently, and um, this topic of trauma bonding has come up so many times. And it's so hard to sometimes recognize we're in a trauma-bonded relationship if we don't know what a trauma bond is and don't know the signs of being in a trauma-bonded relationship. Um, but just, you know, just to like, you know, today, today my goal really is to explain these things to you guys and, um, shed some light on these kinds of bonds and also help you identify if you're in one and maybe give you some tools to potentially get out of one. So the first thing I wanted to, you know, the first thing I, I, you know, we need to understand is what is a trauma bond? What is it? We hear it. I'm sure if you're on social media, you're seeing so many people post about trauma bonds. It's like it came out of nowhere, kind of, yet it didn't because it's been around for forever. Not the term, not the term, because before this term, there were other words we used like patterns and cycles. Um, And we've also said the term generational trauma, things of that nature. So... Um, you know, with this newfound word, trauma bonding, it's really good for us to dig a little deep and to see where we, you know, where that word, where trauma bonds really fit in our own lives and our own relationships. So trauma bonding is when a person develops loyalty to a person who's been destructive or is destructive. So what I mean by that is there's a, it's a relationship that involves inconsistent reinforcement. Relationships with people who misuse substances. Um, relationships with people who are in, a domestic, in domestic violence. People who have been um, molested. Uh, incense, incest, oh my goodness, I'm losing my mind, Um, child abuse, or even something as simple as an unhealthy work environment, Um, kidnapping, hostage situations, cults, all of these are trauma-bonded relationships. So we have to understand, like, how how do we get ourselves into these trauma-bonded relationships? Like, how does it happen? And, of course, you're not going to like the sound of it, but it happens from childhood. That's our first experience with relationships, right? So, for example, you can be a child growing up in a house where your mother is an alcoholic, and you have somehow taken on the role um, as her caretaker and her enabler. Now you grow up. 
you, you know, you're, you're an adult, you meet someone and the person you meet is a heroin addict and you know that you could take care of them and you can, you know, help them and you'll make them better. That's a trauma bond. I mean, you want to call it codependency? We can call it that because codependency is a big component of a trauma-bonded relationship. So if you are unsure of what codependency is, I recorded an episode about 10 episodes back, episode 7, I believe, where I went into great lengths and detail about codependency. So if you need a little recap, if you, if you forgot or... If you haven't listened, um, I recommend going, you know, going to episode seven and just, you know, taking a little stroll through it and, you know, just so you could better understand codependent relationships. So with that one example, I hope you are able to see what a trauma bonded relationship, how, you know, how we, we develop these, um, and we are so wrapped up into them, right? So Trauma-bonded relationships come with four components. And I'm going to get into those components. Um, The first one is intensity. So when you're in a trauma-bonded relationship, things are going to be intense. And when I say intense, I don't mean passion. Just so we're clear, passion is something different than intensity. Um... Everything is going to kind of be intense, meaning emotions are always going to be intense, okay? You might always feel like they'll always be fighting. Um, you'll always feel like you're walking on eggshells. You, If it's a love relationship, the sex may be intense, and you may mistake it for passion. So, you know, that's one. Number two complexities. Trauma-bonded relationships always come with complexities. And by complexities, I mean there's an underlying issue there. There's, you know, um, addiction, abuse, anything of that nature. There's something underlying that makes the relationship very complex. It's not just easy to just walk away from. Um, third, the third one is inconsistencies. Maybe the person can't hold a job. Maybe the person is, you know, you say, I want you to get help. And they say, okay, I'll get help. And they're doing good. And then two months later, they're right back to where they started. Because they truly are not ready for help. You know, they're not, they're not there yet. <clears throat> so the relationship is always going to be like sitting on a, uh, what is that, in the playground... A seesaw, right? So one side's up, one side's down, and it's constant push and pull. Um, and the last one, number four, is my favorite, promises of hope. Now, I am a firm believer in hope. I never lose hope. However, what's, what's wrong in us maybe saying to the person, like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, putting all my emotions on you or I'm not investing my hope into you. I'm going to invest the hope into myself because I need it. You know, this is about me. So 
this person will promise you, I'm going to get better. You know, I won't hurt you anymore. All of these, you know, beautiful, wonderful things that we've always dreamed of someone saying to us, you know, and they cannot follow through. They just can't do it. So these relationships also come with a very high factor of manipulation, a lot of manipulation. And a lot of times the person, you know, we get involved with on the other end is also a narcissist. So before I get into the rest of the signs that we know we're in a trauma bond, let me talk a little bit about narcissist, um, you know, narcissism personality disorder. So narcissism is, you know, it's a serious personality disorder. And oftentimes people who are narcissists won't get help because they will not believe they need it. Now, listen, on a regular, people have to be ready for help on a regular and have to be able to see it. Narcissists don't often see it. I do know a few narcissists and, you know, they just, they just don't, they cannot see outside themselves. It's very difficult for them. I'm not saying there's no hope for them, but if they don't recognize they have a problem, they don't recognize that they ruin relationships all the time, um, or really can't have a healthy relationship, there's really not much we could do, right? They have to be able to recognize that they have a problem. So some symptoms of this disorder are that they have an exaggerated self, uh, well, exaggerated sense of self-importance. Sorry, my words are like all screwy today. Um, They have a sense of entitlement. They require constant admiration. They'll exaggerate achievements. They're preoccupied with success and power. They even take advantage of other people. Um, another thing is they have an inability or even an unwillingness to recognize like the needs and feelings of others. They really lack empathy. Um, they could be arrogant, impatient, especially if they're not getting their way. They can react with rage. They put other people down a lot of times it helps, you know, makes themselves feel better. And they have a really difficult time dealing with stress or change. They really cannot handle it. There are tons of other symptoms for this personality disorder, but, you know, you could always check out the DSM-5 or you can um, Google them. There's always a ton of, you know, things out there. Actually, there's a book circulating Um, I've seen it on Facebook. I think it's something like coping with a narcissistic mother, something like that. So, you know, if, you know, I don't know what your childhood's, you know, look like your childhood looks like or anything of that nature, but, um, really it's, I mean, it appears to be an interesting read. I haven't obviously read it, but just, just saying. So, you know, back to our trauma bonded relationships, right? What are the signs we're in one. What does it look like? So I have seven signs here that help us identify 
that we are in a trauma-bonded relationship. So the first sign is that there's a constant pattern of non-performance, yet you believe their promises. So this is a big one, right? You know, this goes back to those four components of complexity, inconsistency, promises of hope. You know, why do we do that? Why do we believe that, you know, they're going to get better? Why? When we know it's been a constant battle, right? But it's so hard sometimes to see outside of ourselves. It's so hard when we're in a situation to really step out of it and see what's going on. So... Number two, other people seem really disturbed by something that happened to you or that was said to you, but you're not disturbed by it. So for example, I worked for a nonprofit agency um, as a caseworker and, um, and then I moved up to, you know, a substance abuse counselor. So, um, when I first started there, there was a boss who, a clinical director, who was completely unprofessional. And the things she said to me were, you know, really rude sometimes. And, um, just, you just did not, as a boss, especially in the mental health field, just certain things you just don't say to people but what she would always promise me you know like oh you know but I'm working on getting you a raise and and things like thing you know things like that so I stayed I stayed promises of hope right so I was one time I went you know I left work one day and I had called a friend who worked there also and we were talking about this particular clinical director. She never got to work with her. Um, and I was telling her what this, you know, clinical director said to me. And she was like, and you let her say that to you? You know, and I'm like, well, yeah, what, what was I going to say? And she's like, what were you going to say? You know, you don't, you don't take that. And it really, it took me to like have to speak to someone else to realize like, yeah, you know, you're right. Anyway, we got a new clinical director who was amazing. I adored this person and um, learned so much from her. And case in point, I mean, I wound up leaving anyway. <laughs> um, but that's because I had a different opportunity. And, you know, obvi- you know, obviously. But I'm just saying, you know, things we don't realize, right? People say something really hurtful to us and we don't even realize it's hurtful until someone else is like, whoa why are you not upset by that? You know, number three, you feel stuck because the other person keeps doing destructive things and you believe you cannot do anything about it. Let this be clear. We are never stuck. I know it sounds easier said than done. I know it does, especially if you're in a marriage, there's children involved. I I know that. Um, but You know, we are in control of our lives. We are. And, you know, I'm not saying, you know, for someone who is in a domestic violence situation, I totally, totally understand that picking up and leaving is dangerous. It has to be well thought out. 
you know, there have, there has to be supports in place, uh, you know, everything of that nature. But in any kind of situation, when you're looking to leave a bad situation, you need to have supports in place. Um, I never say go with it alone, you know, just leave in the middle of the night and drive, you know, where are you going to go? How are you going to have money? Like the whole, you know, so you have to have supports in place, but we're never stuck. We're never stuck. Number four, you try to change the person into becoming less destructive. Ah, codependency. Here we go. Coming for you. So please stop using, please stop drinking. You know, if you hit me again, I'm out of here, right? All those little threats we like to throw and really know we're not going to stick to them. Um, it's like bad parenting kind of when you tell your child you're going to punish them and then not follow through, which I've been guilty of doing. Um, it's the same kind of thing. The person will get help. Like I said, promises of hope. They will get help. They will. Maybe a week. Sometimes people could go a couple of months and then everything just goes back to the way it was because they're truly not ready or they truly don't really believe they have a problem. Number five, you keep having repetitive fights that are so damaging, and yet there is never a winner. (gasps) Didn't I say this early on? Did I say this early on? I'm not sure. I did have a story about this. I probably didn't say it. I'm losing it. (laughs) Bear with me. So I have a particular, I know someone who was in a relationship and this is what they had said that they were constantly fighting over the same things and never getting anywhere that's not good that's not good that means neither person are hearing each other neither person you know and you know for a lot of us I mean I know for myself I don't know about you we kind of need to be heard we need to be heard right look what's going on in the world right now because people haven't been heard. So, you know, it's it's a it's a need and I would say that it's pretty important. Number 6. You seem unable to detach to some from someone even though you don't fully trust them or really even like them that much. Hello. Does that even make sense? It does. It does make sense, actually. (laughs) It's crazy, but it makes sense. Number seven. When you try to leave this person, you find yourself missing them to the point of longing that is so awful that you believe it will destroy you. Again, makes sense, but it's crazy. Someone you don't even fully trust exiting your life is a bullet dodged. But when you are in a trauma-bonded relationship, it feels like the end of the world will come crashing down on you. Crazy, right? So those are just signs I, you know, throwing together here to let you know if you're in a trauma-bonded relationship. So the next question is, I'm in I'm so I'm in a relationship. I'm in a trauma-bonded relationship. How do I get out of it? How do I break free? So I really recommend seeing a professional. 
<clears throat> not to just, you know, be like, oh, just go see a, see a professional. But in all honesty, <clears throat> we can't really go with this alone. You know, this is really complicated stuff. Um, the trauma bond itself has complexities. So what would make us think that we could just, you know, go with this alone, right? But when I say professionals, I don't just mean therapists or psychotherapists. You can see a life coach. And I know people say life coaches are hodgepodge. But I had someone actually say that to me. They thought, they did believe that years ago. (laughs) Um, We had a conversation about it. And I did too. I did believe that life coaches were like not legit. However, I have recently met a few life coaches and I have been very impressed with their knowledge, um, with their healing techniques, um, the way they speak. I really, I really truly have been very impressed and I have to say I've witnessed one life coach who has really made significant differences in people's lives. So, you know, don't just discredit them or discount them. Just like there are wackadoo life coaches out there, there are wackadoo psychotherapists who have done more harm than good. So, and they have a bunch of degrees. Um, so my purpose here though, aside from getting, you know, getting professional help to some degree, my goal in telling you that is because professionals will offer tools And I have a few tools here that you can, you know, you can start, but I do recommend working with somebody through these tools because, you know, you want to, your goal is to get out of the relationship, not to, not to be on that seesaw where you're going back and forth, back and forth. So of course the first tool is the most difficult tool. And that is to recognize you are in a trauma bonded relationship. You may have already done that during this episode. You may have said, oh, snap, you know, bingo, there it is. Um, And what do they always say? The first, the hardest part is is admitting you have a problem, right? So that's the first one. Another tool is really to separate yourself from the person. And when I say separate, I mean a complete detachment. Now, again, there are complexities here. And I completely understand that. If, you are in a, if you're in a situation where you're being harmed, completely different, you have to go, you know, you have to seek help. But if you're in a relationship, you're just dating, you know, children are not involved, you know, there's, there's just, there's no other complexities other than you and the person and you have somewhere safe you can go, get out leave the relationship while you can because it's only going to get worse. Another tool is another one that's easier said than done and it's live in reality. Live in reality. A lot of times we get into these bonded relationships where, you know, our minds play tricks on us, right? So one minute we think everything is, you know, everything is great. Oh, but, you know, he's got a few flaws. Listen, we all have flaws. But when the person is name-calling, putting you down, um, 
making it as if, you know, you're the, you're the one who has issues, things of that nature. That's, that's not good. That's unhealthy. It's toxic. So we have to be able to decipher what's real from what's not real. Because a lot of times our minds play tricks on us and that's how our minds work. Crazy, right? Our minds, our brains don't hold on to hurt. They don't because they protect us from it. And then, of course, it gets stored in our body in other ways and in our brains as other ways. And it comes, you know, it's trauma. But our brains don't hold on to that hurt. So a lot of times, look, look at childbirth, if you have ever had a child, okay? It's horrendous. It's not pleasant. It's not a good time. It's not something people really should want to do over and over again. But yet we do it because our brains don't remember the pain. They don't. So that's what I mean by saying, you know, what's real versus what is not real. Another tool is to really establish boundaries. Now, that's really hard to do without a professional, in my personal opinion, because boundaries, they're rules. And, you know, you really need to be able to establish some pretty strong ones when you know you fall prey to trauma-bonded relationships. For example, um, not my own example, I'm just saying in general, I will not sleep with someone who calls me names. So if you've been in relationships before where the person has always made fun of you, you know, called you names, things of that nature, and now you're getting into a new relationship, that should be one of your boundaries. I'm not going to sleep with you if you're going to name call me or put me down. Period. Amen. Done. But a lot of times we don't establish boundaries going into relationships. And it's really important that we do. In any relationship, even a friendship, you should be able to say no, not yes all the time, especially if you don't feel comfortable. (coughs) Excuse me. Another tool is to identify your needs in a relationship. Now, in another episode, I talk about needs and wants. Things that you need in a relationship. For myself, I need to be heard. (laughs) I need alone time. I know that sounds like, really? But it's true. I do. You might need something else. Um, We need to identify those. You know, needs cannot be manipulated. Our wants can. Let me give you an example of this. I want a man with dark hair and dark eyes. Okay? That's what I want. But I meet a man with light hair and light eyes and I really like him. So, you see, I can manip- you, you your wants can be manipulated a little bit. You know, it doesn't I'm not saying completely everything you want in life, you know, disregard. I'm just saying we can manipulate things a little bit in that way. Our needs cannot be manipulated. They cannot. It's what we need to survive. It's what we need to thrive. So, you know, I need someone who is going to show me they love me by touching me. That's what you need. And it's okay. It's not selfish. It's what you need. But this is why when we go into new relationships, we need to, we need to establish this stuff, you know, and boundaries. Okay. So it's really important. Another tool 
is to be able to identify abuse. Now, for me, growing up, my father, there was no physical abuse. However, there was verbal abuse. And when I say verbal abuse, there was name calling and things of that nature. So for me, growing up, I would call people names because I took it as like, I'm just kidding. It's a sign of love. Um, even with my husband, I used to make fun of him a lot in front of people. And yeah, it would make me feel better about myself deep down inside, right? Because that's what goes on really when we do this. But I also took it as like, oh, come on, (laughs) you'll still love me. (laughs) I mean, my dad did this to me. I still love him, (laughs) right? So, um... Thank God for recognizing the issues we have. But um, also other abuse like gaslighting, which I did mention this um, on a marriage episode I did. Just in case you don't know, briefly, gaslighting is when someone tells you that you're crazy and tries to get you believe that, get you to believe that you're like making everything up. Things that they've done to you, ways that they've hurt you, they reverse it or tell you that it's in your head. Um, so, you know, recognizing things like that, uh, emotional abuse, any kind of manipulation, you know, recognize it. Um, criticism, any kind of control, those are all abuse. You know, control is not, oh, because he loves me or she loves me. She doesn't let me go here. She doesn't want me to go there. That's, that's not love. I've said this many times. Control does not equal love. It doesn't. Um, and my last tool, I would say, is to develop a support network. So, you know, I'm huge, huge on support groups. I've said this many times, probably every episode. Um, and when it comes to this, I think it's especially important to have a network you depend on. So whether it's a friend, a group of friends, whether it's a legit support group, uh, for trauma, um, anything of that nature, it could be a Facebook group, anything, you know, where, you know, you can go, you could speak confidentially, you know, and you can get tips and support, you know, emotional support from other people who've been through what you've been through. Really important. So that concludes this episode of Trauma Bonding. Um, As always, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. Um, You could do it via Facebook or Instagram. Um, Always here, always able to listen. And I really hope you have a wonderful day. Summer's upon us. Amen. So we can get out more and really enjoy the weather, get that vitamin D, right? Let's raise those levels of... uh, raise our endorphins and all that fun stuff that comes along with the summer months. So on that note, thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome day.